Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek for Friday, September 13th. Now we're recording it on Thursday due to scheduling conflicts, but, uh, you know, nevertheless, we wanted to get you all of the Saints uh, content. JD, you addressed something last week before the game, and we didn't touch on it, and I made a mental note of touching on it, but we never did. Uh, you are entering your 27th season covering the Saints in some capacity. I didn't, like, mention that. You tweeted like, it. In here. I did tweet it, but, I mean, it wasn't, like, public. Well, I guess it was I have your tweet notifications turned on because anyway. I'm just enamored <laughs> with you. Yeah, 27 years. Long time. Twenty. That's, I believe – Longer than you've been alive, okay. which makes me I feel knew, really old. I really was hoping you would have mentioned that. Well, but I mean, it is what it is. Okay. Anyway, 27 years covering the team. So I do have some questions that hopefully, uh, you know, I'm dropping this on you last minute. But I, I, I wonder. I was about if, to say because I'm interviewer, not interviewee. No, you're interviewee. No. For right now, you're interviewee. Well, I, might, I might reserve the right to remain silent. All right. Go. Well, anyway, we'll get into the questions. Um, we are going to interview Sean Fazan from Fox 8 later to talk about the Saints-Rams matchup. But, of course, like I said, I did want to um, talk about this with J.D. So, first question, J.D., what is the funniest memory you have of covering the team? And you got uh, you, bug-eyed on me. Yeah, I was about to say, Yeah, okay, man, but I mean, you have, like, the memory. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, you spring it on me and, like, you know, now I got to try to Because when I approach you before the podcast, you're like, that's stupid. And so. I probably would not have agreed to it. But now, um, I mean, when you throw it out like that, I mean, you know, the funny moments aren't really funny. They're just, you know, they're, I guess, wickedly funny as opposed to, to ha-ha funny. I mean, you know, there's Mike Dick doing the face plan after a game-winning field goal, unfortunately, against the Saints. <laughs> It will always be one of the funniest things that, you know, you can think of, although it was in agony for for the team. But, I mean, I can't, I, you know, ha-ha moments, I can't really think of a whole lot that just jump off the page right now. I mean, so that's don't why you be afraid to, me. like, mention some stuff that's happened between you and I because I'm a funny person. None of that's funny. <laughs> Not one bit of that is funny. <laughs> and I'm sure. See, um, I make them laugh. <laughs> So, uh, no, I can't think of anything that jumps off like how how funny. Now, if you gave me five minutes, I probably could. But right now, I can't. Okay. Well, do you have a player that you have enjoyed watching the most over your 27 years? Oh, any anybody who knows me will tell you that's Marcus Colston. Anybody who okay, knows me. Okay, and why? Uh, because when they say quiet storm, that was him. He was quiet, and he went about his work. He was a consummate professional. Um, he was a reluctant interview. But he was always accommodating to me. But more than that, he was just a guy who he punched in, he did his work, and he and he clocked out, and he did it at a high level for as long as he was here. He will always be one of my favorite athletes, uh, bar none. So you guys were friends? Is that what you're trying to say? I wouldn't even say friends as much as, you know, I just respected the way he went about his work. I mean, he was a guy who, again, I, I just I liked the attitude he had. I liked the way he worked. Uh, he will always be one of my, my favorite saints. I mean, all the characteristics you just laid out, that sounds a lot like me. Like I said, <laughs> you know, I'm sure that, you know, your parents probably think that, and that's great because you know, they probably can't say different. They but. are some of our listeners, so be careful what you say. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I'm just intimating that I'm sure that they're very, very, very proud of you. All right. Well, Marcus Colston, what is the biggest life event that you've had to miss covering something having to do with the team? Wow, biggest life event. That was at oh, your wedding, so you didn't miss your wedding. I was That's about good. to say, I, I can't think of anything like that because, you know, my, my son was born in June, so that had nothing to do with uh, that. Um, you know, missed a lot of 
Christmases and, and Thanksgivings and those things really do kind of add up and bother you as you get older because, you know, you don't spend as much time with your family as you would like to. So, you know, I, I if I had to say something, I can't think of one event that jumps out, but the accumulation of, you know, holidays that I've missed with my family, I'm really uh, start to weigh on you after a while because it's like, you know, you miss a lot of quality time like that. Are you still living in two houses? I know uh, we're kind of getting into personal stuff, but people want to know. Man, people want to know more about you. We don't have to get in my my I want, details. I don't want but, them to know all that about me. I mean, okay, so you build but a no, house. I'm, I'm you build stay, a house. We're over staying the in a house in mm-hmm. one house, and the other one, unfortunately, is still um, has stuff in it. But we're not staying there, so so there's that. So you're we, still mowing two lawns because I know over training camp you were just don't even bring endless that up, about don't even, complaining. I don't about even that. want to talk about that. I just did that like yesterday. So you mow probably every day. Um, I mow twice a week. Why? Uh, Why? Back, because they one lawn and then one lawn. Each one has to be mowed. Yeah, but I once feel like you week. don't have to mow that often. Obviously, you know nothing about yards. Well, yeah, probably exactly. not. Okay. <laughs> Talk to your dad. All right. Well, hey, I mowed to pay for my car. Don't, don't I'm even try. Saying, obviously, whoever to me. I'm, they must have been paying out of sympathy. It was once a week. Okay, and that's what I just said. You once said a week. two lawns no, twice two lawn, a week. No, I said two lawns once a week for each one. All right, whatever. Anyway, so let's get into some of our uh, Saints and Rams coverage. Congratulations, by the way, on entering your 27th season. I'm entering my third, so hopefully I'll get um, as crisp and knowledgeable as you are one day. Well, we know that won't happen. However, <laughs> congratulations on your third, and um, keep it keep it moving. Thanks, J.D. <laughs> that was not genuine at all. It's fine, though. All right, so you were in the locker room yesterday. You talked to some of the guys on offense, especially the offensive line, namely Larry Warford. Um, what what were they saying yesterday about attacking Aaron Donald? I mean, he's uh, you know one of the best defensive linemen in the league, if not the defense, best defensive lineman. What were they saying on their plan of attack to, to get uh, after Aaron? Well, the second half of that is the more true. He is the best defensive lineman in the league. Um, two-time reigning NFL defensive player of the year. And uh, really, he's one of those guys who you've got to have a good plan. And, you know, it's easy to stay, stay in front of him. <laughs> a lot easier said than done. Uh, but part of the plan will obviously be for, for Drew Brees to get rid of the ball quickly. It might even be a little bit of a moving pocket because he's a guy who – I haven't seen anyone consistently be able to block him. I think uh, it might have been last year uh, against the Saints here in the Superdome where I don't believe he recorded a tackle or maybe he had an assist or something like that. But he was so disruptive in that game, Mm -hmm. and that's what he does. He will – if he doesn't make a play, he will make it to where, you know, one or two of his line mates should be uh, getting one-on-one uh, blocking schemes because he's that disruptive. You've got to have a plan for him. You've got to dedicate more than one per- person to him unless you're going to get rid of it really, really quickly. So, you know, that's one of the things that you'll find from the offensive lineman is, you know, one, they're not going to tell you whatever strategy they have, but two, <laughs> they will give the utmost respect to a guy like that because, you know, most of them outside of Eric McCoy have seen him on the field mm-hmm. uh, as a saint and they know. Uh, the impact that he can have on a game. He can he can wreck an offensive game plan by himself. And, and that's the kind of guy, you know, he had 20 and a half sacks last year. Uh, that's the kind of player he is. As a defensive tackle, that is obscene to have 20 and a half sacks. But he is so fast and so strong. And he is the next level guy at defensive tackle. 
did it give you a sense of confidence um, after last week knowing and seeing what the Saints offensive line did, especially to J.J. Watt? But now, I mean, you have Aaron Donald, who, like you said, is the best defensive tackle in the league. But then they also have an added component of Clay Matthews. I mean, so many defensive threats. But did it kind of give you more of a sense of confidence in this offensive line seeing what they did last week? Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a believer in the Saints offensive line anyway. Um, and it's not just because we work here. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but they've proven over the years to be one of the best lines in the NFL. Uh, every now and again, you will have a game like, you know, I think it was, you know, a couple of years ago where J.J. Watt really had an outstanding game in Houston. But part of that was Zach Streif was basically playing with one arm in that game. He didn't tell anybody, uh, but he was basically playing with one arm. But these guys usually have a really good scheme. Uh, there are two good offensive guards next to rookie center Eric McCoy, and that being Larry Warford and Andrews Pete to help him out there. You've got, in my in my mind, the best set of offensive tackles in the league in Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek. So that line, offensive line, is formidable, and they need to be because they need to get it to where, you know, to where the Rams need to send extra people mm-hmm. to get to Drew Brees, and that way you kind of get them off schedule. If they can get there with four people and sit back in coverage, you know, and they play a decent amount of man-to-man, but if they can get there with four people, then there's no need to send anybody extra, and then, you know, you don't have as much of a chance to get those big plays. But if they got to send somebody extra, then that's usually where the Saints uh, take advantage of people. But, you know, it, it can be – Difficult, but I, this offensive line for the Saints, I think, is is even now without Max Unger, still one of the best in the league. They showed it uh, against the Texans, uh, ran for you know hundred and you know more than hundred yards, and averaged seven yards a carry. That's even better than that. And they rolled up five hundred ten yards of offense, had twenty seven of their thirty points in the second half. So they really kind of got into a groove in that second half. Uh, so I would place my faith in the Saints' offensive line to even if Aaron Donald makes some plays because it's almost impossible to keep a guy like that out all day long. But even if he makes some plays, I still think by and large the Saints' offensive line will will show well. On the defensive side of the ball, I want to get more into the comparisons with Sean, but um, the Saints are adding David Onyemata back to the mix this week, uh, which will help after serving his one-game suspension. What kind of help does that provide the defensive line? Because this guy's been with the team for three, four years now, and he knows the system. He is that kind of helping hand more than guys like Taylor Stallworth, who have only spent one season with the team, Mitchell Laven, who the the Saints signed back to the practice squad. What kind of help does he provide to the defensive line? Well, one, he's got a He's got a pretty, even though he's a quiet, nice guy, he's got a nasty streak on the football field. Hmm. Um, And the Saints need him to help out in the run defense. They gave up 180 yards rushing against Houston and 7.8 yards per carry. And that is something that cannot go on. Um, They've got to lower that. They only averaged, they only gave up 80 yards a game rushing last year. So they gave up basically 100 more yards than that and a big, big average. And they got to be able to take away the run. Onyemata helps there. You got to make any opponent one-dimensional defensively if you want to have some success, which is why they didn't have much success against Houston because Houston had everything going on the run game and the pass game. You got to be able to take away something. Now, having said that, that won't be easy. Todd Gurley is a fantastic running back when healthy. Uh, we have heard that he looks as healthy as he's been in a, in a while. So, you know, it's going to be difficult to stop that Rams running game, but that's where David Onyemata comes in to help out. He's also a really good pass rusher. Um, had a three-sack game against Dallas last year. Uh, he is extremely strong, uh, and he collapses the pocket. So he will help 
in a multitude of ways along that defensive front. I have a question about Todd Gurley that I do want to ask later about the whole healthiness thing and all that jazz. Um, but you asked Sean Payton earlier about the Rams special teams and you know what kind of separates them from other teams and why they're so good. So what kind of response did you get and what are your own thoughts on the Rams special teams? Well, I specifically asked him about uh, their propensity to fake kicks. Now, when you're talking about Greg Zerline, their kicker, and Johnny Hecker, their punter, um, both of those guys are all pro and pro bowlers. So they are two of the best in the business. So they get a lot of production out of those guys. But the Rams also uh, will fake a kick on you in a heartbeat. Uh, they faked a field goal against the Saints here in the regular season. Uh, Craig Robertson made a nice stop on that fourth down play. And they faked a punt in the NFC Championship game. So they don't mind um, rolling the dice, you know, from just about anywhere on the field if, if the circumstances they feel like are in their favor. And so that's one of the things that the Saints are going to have to be on their P's and Q's about because, you know, they will fake a kick. And if they get you in the right, in the right look, it'll be a big one. Like I said, the Saints were able to stop that first one in the regular season, but Hecker completed a pass uh, out of punt formation in the NFC Championship game. They get a first down out of it, and I want to say they went on and scored, and that and that play actually gave the Rams a little bit, it stopped some Saints momentum because the Saints had a lead at that point. So they're a team that will tr do some different stuff out there uh, in order to build momentum or to change momentum or to just get a big play and keep their defense off the field because again the Saints had a the Saints were I won't say dominating them at that point but the Saints had a pretty healthy advantage mm -hmm. until they were able to make that play keep their offense on the field get some points and get some confidence going. Well, JD, enough between you and I. Let's go ahead and bring Sean Fazan into the conversation. Sean, I saw some people talking about this yesterday on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it, um, but about the, the Saints and Rams kind of discrepancy about the rivalry and things like that. Um, and it, it seems like after being in the locker room that it seems to stem more from the league and officiating, it, and officiating not so much the Saints' hatred towards the Rams and vice versa. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'm not sure there's a, there's a huge animosity between the two organizations, but you would see with the the Saints and Falcons, or even the Saints and Cowboys, or even you know, anyone within the division. Um, I don't think there's any animosity between the Rams and the Saints in terms of the organizations. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the circumstances brought on uh, some some more uh, context and storylines to uh, what's happened over the last couple of years in their meetings. They've met five was it five times in 2016, if you include the playoffs. So they played a lot. Um, the term rivalry is, is, I guess, it can be subjective. I mean, they played a lot, and they've always been pretty competitive games, with the exception of the one where uh, Sean Payton kind of ran up the score back in 2016. But other than that, it's, they've been great games. And um, I'm kind of leaning toward, towards the, the, the vibe I got from the locker room, which is, you know, on the outside, it's, it's, it's a big storyline with the way last season ended. But I hadn't really sensed it inside that locker room much. And I, I didn't think that was lip service. That was pretty real, that – they moved on from it. It really is just it's week two of the season. They've got to get ready for a game. Yeah, if there's a rivalry, I think it stems from the fact that both are good teams and both know uh, that a win, even this early in the season, might mean something down the line in terms of home field advantage because of the head-to-head. -head. But, yeah, I don't think there's a, genu a genuine dislike. I mean, I think maybe like Saints receiver Michael Thomas and, and, and Rams DB Marcus Peters uh, probably don't get along all that famously, but for the most part, I think most of these guys um, just have a, a, a real genuine respect on you. When you hear Drew Brees talk about Aaron Donald, that's an admiration and a respect for the kind of player Donald is, and I'm sure they have the same kind of feeling for Drew, but 
yeah, I don't think there's a, that that good old fashioned hate uh, that that the Saints might have for for the Falcons or, or Carolina. I agree, and I kind of tossed that question out to Drew uh, yesterday because a lot of the questions in his early press part of his press conference yesterday was about uh, you know storyline, what happened last year, are you over this and that. I find well, it's kind of a, a matchup question because I, I do a show where I, I need sound bites and, uh, <laughs> in regards to the actual what's happening in the game um, or what's previewing a game. So um, I was one that asked him about Aaron Donald, and I mean he really kind of stopped himself and kind of kind of regathered and, and, and really thought it through and, and gave a, a hell of an answer. And I think that let me just look at the rosters, just stack them up side by side. And there's a lot of really, really, really good football players that have accomplished a lot in this league in a, uh, over a period of time. So, uh, and both head coaches seem to really like each other or at least respect each other as well. So, um, yeah, I think there's a, you know, that they want to win, but I think there's a mutual respect there. You talk about the comparisons, I mean, namely Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, two great uh, running backs in the in the league right now. But we we didn't see a ton out of Todd Gurley in the Rams game, and I, I heard some people calling it kind of like the NBA load management. Uh, do you would you put that past Sean McVay to kind of I don't want to say hold him out, but kind of not put his best foot forward until he got to the Saints this week? I don't know. I don't know if you can concede a game in the NFL. I mean, this is. Uh, I mean, it's one. You get one of sixteen. So I, if, I think if if he's your focal point, he's your focal point. We end up with fourteen carries, ninety-seven yards, something mm-hmm. like that against Carolina. So he didn't get the the huge workload, but he still was effective. I mean, that, that's still a pretty good yards per average, uh, yards per carry um, average. If you're Todd Gurley, I, I know there are questions about it. Is he a hundred percent healthy? Is he not? Um, I, I guess that's really only for him to truly. Uh, truly answer but I know this if you're the Saints you really got to go with the assumption that he's he's, he's the Todd Gurley that can that can literally be the defense right. so um you got to be prepared for the best and if he's not that player so be it but you got to prepare for the best the guy that can run uh downhill for power but can, also, but can also catch the ball out of the backfield as good as any back so um I think you go into it with the mindset that he's the Todd Gurley that that can be a dynamic player in the NFL yeah, when he's right, he's as good as any running back. Now, I think at at the end of last season, and maybe over the summer, the word kind of was that it might have been an arthritic knee, and mm-hmm. and they might have to kind of manage him a little bit. And I think in the season opener against uh, against um, who did they play? I can't Panthers. even remember that. But against the Panthers, Panthers. Uh, he played primarily the second half as opposed to the first half, and that's where he got his got his real work done. But but man, he he is something. I mean, he is a guy who's been a, a, a touchdown scoring machine for the last two, three years, and I don't think that goes away. I mean, even if they have to manage him, you know, up, up 85% of Todd Gurley is better than, you know, 100% of probably 90% of the guys in the league. So, you know, but, again, I, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Sean. I don't think he's going to be slow because they've managed him over the summer and they've managed him in, in the game one. And, you know, if you get in a game like this, your guy Todd Gurley is the guy that you're probably going to use as the bell cow. Sean, I'll let you answer this first, but uh, this is a question for both of you. Is there anything from the Saints defense that you saw in week one uh, that you hope that they carry over in week two? And is there anything that you hope they improve on from week one into week two? Well, what I loved, Dennis Allen was really on when it came to the exotic looks and the exotic pressures that they gave Deshaun Watson. You know, it was funny, the last game we saw Deshaun Watson play was in the playoffs, and the Colts really soft-zoned him. Uh, wanted to keep him on his spot inside the pocket uh, and force him kind of win with the arm. 
And yeah, I think he struggled against the Colts. But and I thought the Saints would, would sort of adopt that mindset. But that's not Dennis Allen. He is an attack style coordinator, and they blitzed and blitzed and blitzed. I counted 15, and of those 15, you know, Watson was three of nine. Now he, he threw the touchdown on the last play on a blitz, but was sacked four times, was hit 11 times, um, sacked six times total, but four times against the blitz. So you're talking about I, I, I love that aggressive style. And, um, you know, look, you, you kind of live and die by it sometimes. Um, but me personally, I, I, I like that style of defense. Now, where they need to get better, I think it's pretty obvious, is at the line of scrimmage against the run. Um, I think you got to take it, though. Look, obviously, they, they didn't have Anyamata. They didn't have Mario Edwards. We know the situation surrounding uh, Sheldon Rankins. They had Shy Tuttle, Mitchell Laven, and Taylor Stallworth. So you got there was a, a little bit of a, of a dip production-wise, but um, I just felt like they weren't very gap disciplined. I thought the linebackers were a little too over anxious to make plays, and they missed some tackles. They were really vulnerable to the cutback. And look, we just talked about Todd Gurley. They also have the other Malcolm Brown uh, for the Rams as well. So. Um, that's something that if, if, if they don't work to figure out, that could come back and hurt them uh, in the season that could cost them games is the vulnerability in the run game. And that, that was not the case last year. They were one of the best run defenses in the NFL, so they've got to figure out a way to get that fixed. J.D.? Yeah, I can't disagree with any of that. I mean, um, they beat up Deshaun Watson. I mean, Deshaun Watson really uh, showed how good a quarterback he is, to be honest with you, because they beat him to a pulp and really hit him, and he stood in and he took it, uh, completed 20 or 30 passes, uh, uh, three, threw three touchdowns, and, and had an outstanding game. Um, so, you know, through that, I think the Saints will be pleased. Now, you don't like the yardage. You certainly don't like that last touchdown drive, you know, 75 yards in about 13 seconds or whatever it was. But in terms of getting to the quarterback and hopefully getting him off his spot, you got to feel like if you're the Saints, if you can do that same thing to Jared Goff, you're going to like the end result. And the run defense was really, really uh, just abysmal. As, as Sean said, you know, the gap discipline wasn't there. Uh, they were extremely vulnerable. And, and those are things that, you know, you can clean up in your coaching. Those, those, I don't think, were those were probably more mental errors than physical errors. If a guy's getting beat, there ain't a whole lot you can do to remedy that besides go to another guy. But if a guy, you know, makes the wrong read, or, or, you know, loses his discipline, that's something you can coach out of him. And so hopefully that'll be something that, that the Saints will be coached out of this week. Sean, we don't want to keep you too long, um, but our final seat geek question will be about the offensive line. J.D. and I touched on it a little bit earlier um, and how consistent they have been over the past few seasons. Do you think that they get enough praise for how consistently they seem to play week after week? Well, if they keep playing like that, they will. Um, I think – I mean, and they certainly got a lot of praise from me this week because, I mean, every show I was on, I, I mean, that to me was number one that jumped out how much they dominated along the offensive line uh, against a very good uh, Texans front with a very good player and an all-pro generational talent, J.J. Watt. And I even thought, you know, the kid in the middle, Eric McCoy, looked like he belonged. Um, so I thought the offensive line overall was probably – one of the best things about game one, I mean, they were, I mean, they were on top of their game. Ryan Ramchick versus J.J. Watt, you know, you'd, you'd figure there'd be a little bit of a give and take there, but I, I mean, I thought Ramchick dominated. And, you know, Armstead, you see him getting out uh, in front when they were uh, running that, that, that toss crack. They love the run on the run play. He's getting out there pulling. Warford the same way. You know, Andrews Pete as well. I thought it was as good of an effort by the offensive line as we've seen it. And look, if that's a sign of things to come, that is a great sign for the Saints this season. 
Absolutely. Well, Sean, we'll let you go. Uh, hopefully we'll see you out, or JD, we'll see you out there in, in, in L.A. Uh, we hope you safe travels out there. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on today's New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Before we let you go, if you're trying to find tickets to football games or any other live event, it can be complicated. There are hundreds of sites and shady pricing. But with SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats, buy from any device, and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple taps. With their deal score technology, they rank the most valuable seats based on price, location, historical data, and more. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, our listeners will get $20 off of their first purchase when they use the SeatGeek app. Use code GOSAINTS at checkout. That's code GOSAINTS, no spaces, at checkout. SeatGeek, let's go. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Make sure you tune into the New Orleans Saints versus the Los Angeles Rams this Sunday, September 15th at 3.25 p.m. Central. The game will be on Fox or WVUE Fox 8 with Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and Aaron Andrews. You can also listen on WWL with Zach Streif and Deuce McAllister. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Sean for joining us on the show. Thanks to JD, and I hope you all have a great weekend. Go Saints! Go Saints!